Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today we have a guest who has been doing Airbnb for a very long time, since November 2011. She has four listings in Oxford, England, in Lithuania and Italy. So welcome to the show, Victoria. Hi, nice to meet you all. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. So are you in Italy, in Lithuania or in England? Currently I'm in Oxford for a very short time. But afterwards, I'm heading back to Munich, where I'm currently live. So you live in Munich, but you have listings in Oxford, Lithuania, and Italy. That's correct, yes. How do you manage that? Well, I guess this, um, this was enabled for me to do with the wonders of technology and the, the great platform of Airbnb. Um, I'm able to manage them you know, not being geographically there, but if you hire great people and a good team, everything is possible. Wow, that's really cool. We'll dive into that a little bit more during the show, but let's start uh, with, uh, with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yes, I am a scientist, fully trained scientist, who did his, my final graduate degree in Oxford, hence the listing in Oxford. And uh, somehow my graduate degree was somehow delusioned or delusional for myself. So I decided to see whatever sectors I could dive into, and Airbnb was one of them. And you started in November 2011, and I know that that's, I think that's about when I joined Airbnb, and not very many people knew about Airbnb back in the day. So I'm just curious, how did you find out about Airbnb? Were you actively looking to rent out your place, or did you randomly just hear about it? No, it was actually the story that um, each year, me, my mom, and my sister do a trip together, you know, collectively. And that year's destination was Paris. So my sister sat down, you know, on internet and started looking where could we stay, what would be a good connect, you know, location, where do we want to go? And so it happened that she stumbled across Airbnb. And I remember at that time she was saying it wasn't on the first page of Google search. It was probably the second. But luckily for us, we found this beautiful, tiny little apartment next to Louvre. It was very typical Parisian. And we really paid a fraction of the cost, what would be, you know, a room in a hotel in that area of three people. Mm-hmm. And um, although apartment was really nice, uh, I felt it could certain things could have been done better. And so I came back home, you know, after the trip to Oxford. And I said to my partner, 
Let's see how our apartment would roll in these sort of circumstances. And uh, so this is what we did. Every time we went away on weekend or traveling somewhere for a week, we always put our apartment on. Mm -hmm. And this is really where it started. So you used it to travel uh, in, in Paris. You stayed in Paris yeah. in the Airbnb. And then you thought, hey, I can do this with my own house as well. Yeah. And then you started using it. You started renting out your place when you were away. Yes. That's how it started. And, yeah. and what was very interesting to find out that my things would always get rented out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any weekend, even for a day or even just for two days, some random days during the week, when it's really not, you would think there is no market for this. Mm -hmm. It always was successful. So the next stage of this adventure, as I call it, um, was to convince my partner to say, let's open the calendar fully and see what we get out of this. So, <laughs> you know, forward the short, story short, you know, I had, we could rent it out almost all the time. So sooner or later, we figured out it was better to live outside the flat than in the flat ourselves. Uh, at that time, my partner worked for the company which was based outside Oxford. So what we initially did, we looked for Airbnb places in those tiny little villages where you think nobody would come. And we would go and live there while we would rent out our apartment. <laughs> So we did this, you know, I was very, I'm very grateful to my partner who really went with this very wild idea. You know, first hurdle was to convince him to rent out our place to strangers because he's Italian and, you know, Italians are very proud homeowners and they are very wary who do you let in your house, let alone sleep in your house, you know, but he went with this and he agreed that we could stay in other people's homes. Uh -huh. While we rent out our apartment and sort of sort of starting to really gain a financial, I don't know, freedom, if, if I could say it very modestly. And uh, so this worked really well. We did it for a couple of months. And then I stumbled across something quite extraordinary. Somebody mentioned to me that there is an idea called house sitting. Um, I, I'm from Eastern Europe, I could say, <laughs> and for us, this idea is really alienating, I would say. It's very, it's very hard to com comprehend, but then I soon realized that this idea is truly amazing, and it allowed us to live outside our home for free, living in quite substantial properties around Oxford, paying nothing for accommodation. <laughs> yeah, so, and for, for those who don't know what house-sitting is, it's basically uh, when people go on holiday, they sometimes want somebody to look after their house. It could be for, you know, to look after the pets or, or just to have somebody in the house so that uh, there's less of a chance of a break-in, etc. Et and then um, you can go on the on the website housesitting.com and you can you can uh, yeah you can look after people's houses, right? Yeah, and uh, so it happened that I was in very good area, uh, Oxford or Oxfordshire in general. It's a very affluent area, so we happened to live in the houses which 
contain tennis courts, swimming pools, you know, <laughs> horses. <laughs> um, this was, you know, I'm in Britain, but at the time I was in Britain, but I'm outsider. So that was another way of learning about English culture and sort of meeting very interesting people who did very well for themselves. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, some houses did not contain any pets whatsoever. People just wanted assurance that, you know, the post is picked up and somebody is present. Right. Because in UK, there is a huge problem of squatters. And once they're in, it's very difficult legally to get them out. So right. people are very wary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So you're you're renting out your own place, making money, and then you're staying in like huge villas, mansions with tennis courts, etc., for free. <laughs> that's a uh, that's true. That's pretty cool. Um, you mentioned that uh, your your partner um, from Italy that he wasn't so uh, so happy at first about the idea of letting people, letting strangers, stay in your house. And I think that's yeah. an interesting point because. I bet there's a lot of people out there where, you know, one person thinks, oh, let's try this, and the other person doesn't want to do it because, you know, because of all the bad things that that supposedly could happen, you know? Yeah. So the, my question is, how did you convince your partner to go ahead and try this out? Well, I don't know. Initially, he, he was very against this. He's like, this is not going to happen. This is my house. But I think living with someone and sort of sharing the same motto in life is very important. And I'm not, I'm I'm personally not very materialistic at all. Like I really don't care about things. To be quite honest, I think we as human beings have too many things in general. And as I recently moved to Munich, I just realized half of my wardrobe is really it's it's not important at all to me so i just give it all to charity so what my philosophy behind this is such that i ask my partner is anything in our house in our first apartment that we could not buy again and it wasn't all those things are simply <laughs> replaceable you know you I, you know, I do not possess very rare books of any sort, and I do not have very expensive jewelry. Right. But even those very rare books, with the help of technology and eBay, I'm pretty sure you can buy again. Right. So once we established that sort of mindset, mm-hmm. that was it. That was that was done. Right. <laughs> done deal with him. And uh, you notice I, and you mentioned earlier that I do have Airbnb apartments uh, or listings in, in Italy, and that is actually properties of my partner's parents. Mm-hmm. So initially, they were also very against this. This is like, this is not going to happen. This is our home. And these are not their main homes. These are like extra homes they have. And, and I said to them, it's like, look, what's going to happen? They're going to run away with the house? How, how could you physically do this? <laughs> I mean, this mountain house is locked for almost all year. The only two times you open it is then it's, you know, end of August and first day of the March or something. <laughs> so as soon as I got that sorted, it was pretty easy rolling afterwards. And I really convinced 
all Francesco's uncles and aunties to rent their places and and they are doing this. So I'm managing them sort of on their behalf, but it's really in their names, although it's me who's doing this. So it sounds like you're pretty good at convincing people to do things. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess I, I'm just very um, uh, enthusiastic about Airbnb. It changed my life, and I equally believe it could change a lot of other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it already has. So. so let's talk a little bit about how Airbnb has changed your life. What are you able to do now that you weren't able to do before Airbnb? Well, after my graduate degree, I felt science was fun, but my last degree was not fun at all. And I started to say, you know, my mom said, oh, you have this degree, you should really use it. You know, science is what you did last 10 years, you should employ this. So I started looking for the job. But then I realized that my earnings from Airbnb are good enough that I don't really need to have a job as such. Sounds familiar. <laughs> I really relate to you, literally. And uh, so, and what I, my sister is an architect, and I guess this comes, you know, from the same genetic pool that I sort of really like houses. I like interior design. I like property in general. And this is what I started doing. So, uh, after first apartment in Oxford, we bought a second one. And that truly is what I enjoy doing, you know, getting people in convincing my partner to buy it <laughs> and uh, sort of redoing it the way I wanted and the way I thought the guests would enjoy having. Mm -hmm. So my second apartment called South Park's Views, you know, a beautiful apartment South Park's Views are my second uh, sort of project, which I did really with the help of Airbnb. And um, do you own the, the houses? You have four listings. And yeah. you, you know, you uh, you mentioned that the one in Italy is actually uh, is a family owned. It's, it's a family owned properties. house, and the ones you own, you have in Oxford, they are you both you own the houses, yeah. That's correct. They both okay. are our right. awesome. So um, you know, uh, we we talked a little bit before we started the interview, and I know I, I noticed you had a lot of uh, suggestions for Airbnb. <laughs> On, on how to improve uh, the the website, the system, or or whatsoever. So um, you had a list of forty six points. I, I believe. yeah, I have made a snag list, as I call it, for Airbnb of things they should pick up or they should do in order to improve both host and guest experience. Great. Well, um, I know that uh, I know that some people in the office in, at the Airbnb uh, do actually listen to the podcast sometimes. So, hopefully, they're listening and uh, tell us tell us what you think could be better. So, um, I'm, I'm not going to endeavor on, on 46 points, and the list is still growing. But I could mention a few. So, for example, I have had my flat on Airbnb for now four years, I believe, the very first one in Oxford. And as time progresses, you do change your space. You know, you, you, you add things, you remove certain things, you update certain furniture, you update certain details in the flats. And therefore, I believe that... Every two years, Airbnb should offer free photography again 
the hosts who did so well, you know, or they hit certain, I don't know, there could be some KPI in place, you know, to say you have to have certain number of lists, you know, guests or booking per year in order to qualify after two years to have a new photo shoot. So luckily for me, when very, very first time when I got a photographer in my flat, he was an exceptionally good photographer and he works for the big brand magazines and architecture. So he's the guy behind all those glossy, you know, photos and magazines in UK. And luckily I got a contact of him. So when I needed to redo the photography, I actually paid him personally to get mm -hmm. him back. Right. And, and because he was so good. Mm -hmm. And then I got my second flat. I didn't even bother with Airbnb photography at all. I just got him. Mm -hmm. So there are two, two elements Airbnb could improve. So one offer, re-photography so to speak you know every two years but also give you a choice if you liked your previous uh phot photographer get him again right and maybe photographer on its side could start earning certain points because you would notice he's more popular he's more requested so you see there is so much more could be done on this very sort of simple yeah, I think, it's, I think this is a really good suggestion because, you know, um, I've been doing Airbnb for almost three years. And just like you said, my apartment looks a little bit different now. And also, I made a very stupid mistake when I, when I had my apartment photographed because I forgot to make up the beds. So now, you know, it, it doesn't look uh, as good as it could be. And yeah. I've been trying to get the Airbnb also to to send the photographer over again. But uh, I think I may just do what you did and uh, just hire somebody myself. But yeah, I completely agree. It would be nice if, you know, maybe every year, every two years or something, like you said, for, for people who, who go over a certain amount of bookings, hosts who, uh, you know, who just, uh, just host a, a lot of people and have a lot of bookings. I think that's definitely a good idea. So let's, yeah. do, let's do one more suggestion. <laughs> your uh, list of 46 um yeah so the other suggestion is really uh the way i live and i think a lot of people like yourself and myself will re relate to this so i lived previously in oxford and now i live in munich germany and so it happens that i have two phones one with the uk sim card and one with the german sim card so although i want my notifications come to my german phone mm -hmm. I would like my English phone to be the first choice of people to call. Because, you know, if they are in UK and, you know, half of my guests are actually UK residents, I want them to be able to call my UK number so they don't incur any extra costs. Ah, okay. I see what you mean. And and because, you know, I've made the choice that my primary contact and where my messages arrive is German, the number for them to call is German again. So there are two problems here. One, they have to deal with the international call. And second, it gives them a sense that I'm not in UK. Right. So there is sort of an additional... 
um, maybe not in probably directly, but there's additional worries like, oh, the host is not here. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. why am I calling at the German number? Right. So I think Airbnb should allow um, to choose the order or priority the, the numbers people call. Yeah. And and this is another problem which I come across with is the order I entered the number. So, for example, my my number, my German number, my UK number, my German number, my partner's number, and my mom's number. And then it's additional person in Oxford who helps me out at the apartment. So I enter them in random order. But actually, prioritized list is very different. You know, I want my numbers to be on top, starting with UK number. Mm-hmm. Then I want to be my Oxford contact. Then I want to be my partner. And then I want to be my mom. Is there a special reason why you put your mom at the bottom of the list? Or? <laughs> no, no, I, I believe, you know, my upset. mom could solve a lot of things of my flats, but I, I have other people in place to help okay. me out. You know, right. my mom's like the last resort. But I um, the, I and I think this is very important. Yeah, no, I understand the problem. Like, you have most of your guests in Oxford, but you live in Germany. So yeah. So yeah, you want to get the notifications on your on your German phone, but you want you don't want to bother the guests with international phone calls. So you want them to call uh, your uh, your English the number. English. Do you do you send out like a guidebook or something to your guests? Yes, I do. Okay, that is ad- addressed. I have, yeah. I have kind of the same problem, um, and what I do is like I just I, first of all I let people know that I am traveling because. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll probably find out anyway. But um, I, uh, I send them a, in, in my guidebook. I send them in like an, a, f- a few other ways that they can contact me. So I tell them, hey, you can reach me on WhatsApp. You can reach me on email. You can reach me on Skype. And and so uh, I, I try to establish contact with them. You know, outside the regular sort of phone uh, communication. So uh, so that's kind of how I get around it. Hmm. I'm I'm very similar to you. I have all those things in place. And it's just I felt that it could be a choice for mm-hmm. the host to have, you know, their preferences. Because right. I'm happy to take roaming charges for my English phone. But I would like my guests to be able to call, you say, let's say UK number, the local mm-hmm. one. Right. Instead of paying for a German call. Yep. All right. Good suggestions. Uh so I hope the folks at Airbnb headquarters are listening. Um, I, uh, I just recently noticed that uh, they they made an update to the uh, to the website. I don't know if if you've seen it, but if you go to your messages, you can now charge guests for a paid amenity. Did you notice that? No, I did not see this. It must be very recent. Yeah, um, addition. I, I, I don't know if uh, if if they rolled it out only in certain places, or you mean maybe America, just, yeah. maybe just selected hosts. But uh, but yeah, I can charge people for uh, for paid amenities now. So I can just yeah. put in a price. I can put in a description and a message, and then uh, I can just add the charge, which is a good good improvement, I think, because you know when you're uh, when you want to provide some extra services to your guests, and if you're not at the at the in the in the city, if you're if you're traveling like me, for example, you know I can uh, <clears throat> I can offer my guests some some services, but then you know how are they going to pay for it? I have to 
like ask them to to use PayPal or something. And so I think it's good that Airbnb implemented this in the on their website, so it makes it okay. much easier. To, uh, Could you give an example? What exactly would that entail? Well, for example, I am now staying at an Airbnb in Bangkok uh, uh -huh. with, with a former podcast guest. Actually, his, his name is Kelly uh, Kampen, and he uh, he's one of the he's a featured host in in Thailand. Apparently, he's like the best host in Thailand, and he is doing a really good job. So, um, so anyway, uh, he has some uh, some snacks, some drinks in his room. And what he did is he put a little box where people can just put in cash. You know? uh -huh. So I guess uh, what he could do instead is he could, uh, he could just tell people to, you know, to take whatever they want and note down how much they consume. And then he could just put the charge through Airbnb. Uh-huh. So it's almost... Uh-huh. Or um, maybe I will not mention a site. Uh-huh. Carry on. Yeah. Or maybe if you, let's say, you want to rent out a bike to somebody or... Or uh, you know uh, whatever sort of surface or um, things you wanna you wanna gift you, sell to your guests, whatever you wanna do, it's it's cool that you can uh, you can just include it in the in the price of the reservation. Yeah, I think that's very good idea. Um, I will not mention the site, but I noticed that some other sites actually do have this. So, for example, if you would like to have a cot. For the baby, mm -hmm. you can add the price per day, or if or you could say the price per day is top amount, or you could say the price is per stay. So I could keep up those items and probably repurchase them when they are no good or you know been been used and they don't look as good. But also I have, for example, a, bu a buggy to people to offer a stroller. Mm -hmm. if they want to have it so um yet again is another commodity i could uh, uh, supply i also have bikes mm -hmm. which yet again is i i give all those things for free but i suppose even the little money towards it would help me to maintain the best quality of items i suppose yeah actually that brings me to another point which i thought airbnb could help us which I have, I have experienced this a lot and it causes sometimes a bit of a friction, but luckily I have now the system in place which helps me out locally. So let's say somebody books my apartment with two people and they don't specifically tell who they are. They are, they are a couple, they are mother and son, um, daughter and father, you know, those sort of circumstances. So, People come to my place and they, they say, oh, we need a second bed, right? Which mm -hmm. is fine. You know, I say, oh, okay, extra bedding is there and there. If, if I was not aware of this sort of certain situation before. But what it costs to me is actually is much more than it would be for one linen, for one set of bedding. Because I pay per unit. So all of a sudden, although the stay was booked for two people, it becomes the stay as if it would be three people. Right. And I always lose out on this. And there's no, there's no system in place for Airbnb guests to declare this before they come. Mm -hmm. And I always feel terribly bad sort of to turn around and say, oh, actually, you should be paying five pounds. So I just count this as a loss. Mm -hmm. But I think this should be 
somehow implemented mm -hmm. so i would not yeah so sorry so you're saying you you incur extra costs because you need to wash the, the the extra set of linen that's correct okay because i pay per items okay you you take it to the laundry sort of yes okay <laughs> okay i have a cleaning ladies who does do do it for me uh -huh. but i pay them per item so all of a sudden you know one linen costs a certain amount yeah so because it was two people staying and they let's say work colleagues this stay gone the running cost got a bit more expensive than it would be mm -hmm. if that would have, been, would have been a couple food for thought for uh, the people at the airbnb um i wanted to change the subject uh, before we get to the final part of the show and um because you know you've i saw you have something like 250 reviews on your oxford listing and you've been doing it for so long you must have some interesting stories maybe some, <laughs> some funny guests or maybe something went wrong or whatever you think is is most interesting uh, I have to disappoint you on the bad guest stories because I had I have none I had five you know about 500 guests and uh, although it doesn't translate directly to reviews mm -hmm. uh, as I previously did never I never chased them up and I never really tried to get them so I, I think I had more bookings than my reviews tell sure and uh, in fact, I had no one who I have to report and say that was terrible, terrible experience. You have to be very, how to say this, you have to understand that people are very different, you know. Um, some guests would say, Victoria, your directions were amazing. We arrived, everything was perfect. We loved the flat, we loved the manual, we loved everything. And some people are still, you know, would say, oh, directions were terrible. We couldn't get into the flat. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you have to take in, in 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 account that you're dealing with a lot of people and their understanding or knowledge of certain parts of the world are different so and this also counts for cleanliness you know somebody would leave the house in such a pristine condition that you would be amazed that somebody actually stayed there and sometimes it would come in and it would be like a lot of shopping boxes, a lot of bags, and, and they feel that is okay. But I've never had situations where I would say, oh, this is really unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I can add another point to say that I can compare because when I was a student, I think my second year of graduate student, in the summer I worked in a hotel. And this hotel experience never compared to Airbnb experience because what I've seen in a hotel, I've never seen in my house. So right. touch the wood. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's touch funny the wood. You, but uh, mentioned that because I was just talking with my with my host uh, Kelly here in Bangkok uh, about the same thing. Um, um, you know how uh, when you're staying in a hotel. You, it doesn't feel as personal, you know. You, you, if you if you make a mess in a hotel room, you you know you f you feel like you're not really um, doing harm to anyone, right? Because it's just a it's a hotel, it's like a company, and it's, it's a it's big not... corporation with some fancy flag, you know, on the front <laughs> of the building. So you don't care. But at this point, I think each one of us as a host are not a corporation. We're actually real people. Exactly. And that's the difference. 
Like if, yeah, you, if and I then, stay in you know, somebody's house, you know, I don't want to make a mess because it makes you feel bad, you know, and, and you know, you, you communicate with the host in advance and it, you feel kind of privileged to be able to stay in, in somebody's house, right? Yeah. So I think naturally you, uh, you know, you're, you treat some somebody's personal space and belongings um, nicer than, than you would in a, in, in a hotel. Yes. And I think our places and spaces or listings in general are very personalized. So a lot of people who stay with me, we, they would leave a note just like, Victoria, I loved your books. I can see your language junkie. Or I, I read through your thesis. Because <laughs> I have my thesis in my flat. I, I should really remove this. But, oh, we flipped through your thesis and we found it highly amusing <laughs> and interesting to read so i think people connect to you even you not literally are physically present there they they love the decor or they love the you know interior solution or they love this that, and the other i think very rewarding for the host is when somebody leaves you a card you know personal card or leaves you some cake or they bake you a cake, they cook you dinner. Um, <laughs> I, I really like movies, which are like Finnish uh, cartoons. You probably, I don't know if you know us, but it's very popular in my country. And I have cups and spoons and with those logos. So somebody actually took time and sat down and drew a personal card with movie for me. <laughs> right. It was well, I thank you so much for letting us stay in your beautiful flat. So, That's amazing. Yeah, and uh, I always leave the greeting card for the guests, and I think they really respond to that. They they write me back saying, Tura, we love your place. So I have plenty of cards and notes left for me, and people are really nice and kind, and it works really well. Awesome. So on that positive note... Um, we've come to the end of the show so thank you so much uh, Victoria it was a pleasure Hi. talking to you and uh, awesome. we'll, uh, I'll put the, your, your listings in the, uh, in the show notes which people can find at getpaidforyourpet.com forward slash podcast and of course uh, oh and one last thing um, you, uh, you did read the book did you? yes I did absolutely and I find it, I found it very insightful. Uh, there are very good points in the book for, you know, novices, coasts, I would say. But also for somebody who's been hosting for a while, there are quite a few good solutions. So I actually made some notes. Wow, that's great to hear because you started doing Airbnb before me. So if I managed Yeah, to... but I didn't write the book. <laughs> <laughs> if you learn something from it, then uh, that makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, for uh, other people out there who are listening, if you uh, are interested in the book, you can find it on Amazon. And if you want to take a look at the first couple chapters before you make the decision to buy it, you can uh, you can get those chapters at getpaidforyourpet.com. You can fill out your email address and then we'll send you the first chapters and you can check it out for free. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Victoria. And uh, we'll see you next time. As I say, keep on Airbnb. Okay. Bye-bye. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. 
Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.